This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio, and boy, is it going to be a good one. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. As always, my partner in crime and my co-host joining me today, Jim Williams. What's going on, buddy? Not bad. My main man, Jonathan Raggis. <laughs> welcome to a hump day edition of the program. We've got a lot to get to. We've got football to recap. We've got uh, some startling news out of the world of high school football, which will have bigger effects, I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. We're also going to talk a, a little hockey, a little baseball. We'll have a little song, a little dance, and a little seltzer down your pants. before. little the NBA. Don't forget a little NBA. A little association, but the marquee thing you're going to be listening for, and you know you will be, uh, the voice, one of the voices of the NFL on Fox and the radio voice of the New York Rangers, Kenny Albert, will be joining us shortly in this hour, talking football, hockey, and uh, all things. All things sports, really, because Kenny Albert is a master of many trades. He, he is, really is the busiest, busiest man in sports. I like to bill him that all the time because it is the truth. The guy does everything, and yet he still makes time for people like us, man. Great for guy. the little people. For the little, little guys. Yes, he's a super little guy. Hey, that's you. But anyway, you can get in touch with us. If you have a question to ask Mr. Albert or Mr. Ragus, or you can just call me Jim. I don't take it personally. A couple of ways you can get in touch with us. Uh, we have a chat room open right now. You sign in via your Blog Talk Radio account, and that's how you can get access to the chat, ask questions, leave comments. We'll read them on the air. We promise we will. Better yet, if you want to call in, 347-237-5373. Lines are open and waiting for you. And uh, you can also use Click to Skype as well. But before we go any further, I don't mean to toot my own horn, Mr. Ragus, but I... You did? You yeah. Did? You called it. Now, if you would have called the Jacksonville game, that would have been nice. Uh, I never... You would have took the two winless teams and came out on top and had a two-game lead. Don't let the facts get in the way of the fact that I called it, okay? You Don't let it. the facts get in the way of a good story. Monday night foosball. I think foosball would have been more entertaining than watching this game, quite frankly. Uh, the battle for The battle of Florida attrition, which nobody wants, on the night where the Buccaneers honored... Warren Sapp, the Buccaneers' victorious 22-19. to And uh, a couple of friends of mine refer to it as the hat trick for the Buccaneers because within two quarters' time, they scored a touchdown, a field goal, and a safety. Yep. So the football hat trick, very exciting. Uh, but looking at the box score, John, one thing leaps out to me, and hopefully it does to you. Miami has no running game. No, no, they don't. They don't. Honestly, Tampa Bay doesn't either, but uh, two guys uh, by the names of Brian Leonard and Bobby Rainey come out of nowhere. But also, you got to give props to Mike James as well. But it's that Miami running game, man. Tannehill's doing you know, his best to do what he can do to get this team to win. But when you got a running back behind you that's not running the ball and only can get seven carries in a game, nothing good's going to happen of it. Well, you mentioned Mike James. He got banged up early in the game. That's why he only had five carries. Correct. And, uh, you know, the one hope, the one thing uh, that the Buccaneers could hang their hat on, well, they can't hang on it anymore. He's gone for the rest of the season with a fractured ankle. So. Yep. Although, you got to take a, a glance over at uh, Brian Leonard. He ran pretty good for them. 20 carries, 57 yards. Rainey with eight gra- uh, carries for 45. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for that little bolster with the last couple of bye weeks here, you might want to look at Leonard on the waiver wire. Um, or even Rainey. He's, yeah, but... He's, 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 he's going to get those red zone. But when you have four different runners, including your quarterback, mm. combined for two yards on 7, 11, 13, 14 carries, you bad. got a problem. Bad. Very, very bad. Um, you know, like, I, like I said in the beginning of the season, a lot of people spoke up about Lamar Miller. Um, I didn't see anything from Lamar Miller this season. Well, except for last week's game when he rushed for 105 yards. I, I really don't see anything from him where, you know, wow. You know, it, it just it, he just doesn't wow me. You know, this team is definitely in need of a, uh, you know, of a better running back. If they want to keep Lamar Miller as a second running back to uh, complement the first one, I think Lamar Miller could cover that 
um, you know, position on this team, but they they desperately need help. And why did they let Reggie Bush go, man? Yeah, it's it, it's mind numbing. It really is. Yeah. And he is flourishing in, in Detroit by comparison. Yeah. Uh, so. Another thing is, you know what, we got to take a look at Mike Wallace. Did Pittsburgh make the right move by letting Mike Wallace go? With the way he's playing down in Miami, i got to say, yeah. Hard to believe, but yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, Mike Wallace has uh, faded into relative obscurity. Yeah. He has done nothing. And what sucks about that, in my mind, is that it takes targets away from Brian Hartline, which is the only reason why Brian Hartline only has two touchdowns this season. My fantasy team again. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I come out? I apologize. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not there. You won this matchup. Uh, so let's look at the overall record. You stand at 88 wins and 58 losses. And 30 above that, 500. And I stand at 87 wins and 59. We still trail. Well, excuse me. I still trail by one game. or one game apart. Yeah, but we're still better than the so-called analysts at the big four-letter network and the other networks. So we're, we, we take pride in that. No question about it. Exactly. You want a straight up pick, you go to us. You go you want a something against the spread, you just call Dr. Ron Bash or Stu Finer and waste your money. Stu uh, Finer. He's on YouTube. Stu Finer's on YouTube. We could never have him on the show because he cusses like a sailor. But my well, goodness, he's nuts. We can have him on, but the kids won't be able to listen to the show now. We'll have to we'll have to get your bleeper out of the uh out of the cobwebs. Absolutely. Uh let's talk about this talking about uh the NFL. Somewhere over Dwayne Bow, man, oh man, what is? Well, I guess if you have marijuana possession, you would be seeing rainbows too. Uh, Dwayne Bow arrested over the weekend on charges of speeding and marijuana possession. The Chiefs were going to handle things in house. Oh, and here's how they handle it: they're going to start him Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, crazy. I mean, I know they have to let the process take its course, but come on. We've spoke about that before. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I honestly don't get it. So, yeah, he. Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Just an interesting story. I figured we. Uh, uh, by the way, under the collective bargaining agreement currently under place, the Chiefs cannot punish Bo for violating the NFL substance abuse policy. That's pretty much why. Uh, but the NFL will be reviewing the situation for potential discipline after the legal process has run its course, and we all know how long the legal process takes. Yeah. Too long. Absolutely. So uh, so there's that uh, on the NFL side. Yeah. Well, let's stick with the NFL, and let's uh, take a look at tomorrow night's game. Oh, let's. Yes, it's, the, it's week 11. It is. It is now week 11 in the NFL. Week 11. believe it. Semana de 11. I'm sorry, man, but before I do this, I'm watching a video right now. All right, well, um, well, I don't well. know if you saw it, but during the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and uh, Cleveland Cavaliers game, uh, you know, referee Joey Crawford uh, was berating a mop boy and almost ejected him from the game. Oh, you put the <laughs> Joey Crawford, remain man. Though. There was so much sweat on the floor, and the guy just kept, you know, he mopped it, but he didn't do a good job. And I think uh, it was Lavoy Allen of the 76ers almost uh, slipped in it and pointed it down to Joey Crawford. <laughs> Joey Crawford berated the mop kid. We're going to need oh. Michael Richards to reprise his character from UHF and break out the mop and get it done right. Oh, man, that was funny. I'm sorry, man. I had to... Uh... I had to. Uh, well, you're going to side with Joey Crawford every day of the week, twice on Sunday. I like Joey Crawford, to be He's honest. He's your main man. He's my main man. All right, let's take a look at Thursday night's game. It is week 11 in the NFL. I cannot believe it. And uh, tomorrow night's game is the Indianapolis Colts, 6-3 and three on the season after losing miserably last week. Uh, taking on the Tennessee Titans, who are 4-5 and five on the season. Locker out for the season. Fitzy. In the Fitz, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I was going to say Fitzgerald. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the starting quarterback for Tennessee Titans. Jim, does Indianapolis bounce back, or was that just such a devastating loss last week that the Titans have a good shot of winning this game? I think they bounce back. I mean, this team is not the juggernaut that they were when Reggie Wayne was healthy. That's a foregone conclusion. But they have too many weapons to not... You know, to, to, they can't lay a second egg in a row. They can't afford to at this point. Yeah. I'm going with Indianapolis to win this convincingly, probably by two scores. All right. Uh, my prediction. Yes, that would, Ryan, be, that would be. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for eight touchdowns. Oh, shut up. Tennessee wins like 75-7. to seven. And if you believe that, folks, he has some swamp land to sell in Florida. Yeah, and then I turn off my Xbox, and I actually tune into the game, and I see the Colts destroy the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> oh, Colts. by the way, speaking of Xbox, are you getting one of the new next-gen systems? 
Um, no, because uh, it's too much money, and I, I I refuse to pay that much money. I'll, I'll, I'll wait a year. You know, let you'll it wait a year, and then you'll get the proper Madden twenty six, Madden fifteen, whatever they call it. Yeah, Madden two thousand forty two. I don't know, whatever it's called. Yes, Madden Return of the Boom. Here comes. I, I like the older ones. When somebody called an ambulance, but oh come on, the Matt. Hence, one of my fantasy football team's names is the Madden ninety two ambulances. The ambulances. Oh come on! That that's the greatest thing. The greatest thing I mean, when the uh, ambulance would come out. But the great thing was is when your injured player was on the field and the ambulance would run over that player. That is the greatest glitch greatest. in the history of video games. Greatest, greatest. It, 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 honestly, it's between that or between NHL '93 or excuse me '94 when Alexei Kovalov for the New York Rangers you could score. Any goal you wanted to with him in that game, he had like a – he didn't have a great overall rating, but his overall rating really in the game was like 99-plus. It was crazy. There you go. Wrap around the net, score the goal. I missed Genesis. But. Oh, oh, so do I. It was like the second video game system I ever had after uh, the And NBA. not Phil Collins in Genesis. I'm talking about Sega Genesis. Well, Phil Collins in Genesis was pretty cool, too. Listen, I'm, I'm more of a Mike and Mechanics type of guy. So. Well, that explains a lot of your problems, quite frankly. Oh. I think uh, you being a Genesis fan explains a lot of your problems. But. Hey, come on. Invisible touch? Come on, man. <laughs> I'm more of a solo Phil Collins guy myself. I agree. I, I, yeah, yeah. I like him dancing around with the black guy. Nobody can remember his name. And, uh, you know, she's an easy lover. So. Philip Col- uh, Phil Collins. And, uh, oh, now you're making me forget. Oh, <laughs> I was going to call him Philip, Philip Bailey, I think it was. Uh, yes, no, yeah, it was Philip Bailey, correct. I knew there was, a, I knew it was another Philip, I was going to say Philip Collins. That is a good, that is a good trivia question to ask people if they think they're music fans. But like, okay, so who was the duo between Philip Collins and what guy on She's an Easy Lover? And I guarantee you 99% of people will not know who Philip Bailey is. Yeah, because I was like, he's one big hit. He was great. He was, he was, uh, he was my main man. Listen, iconic video when they're getting off the helicopter and oh WrestleMania yeah. one music, come on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Although if you watch the tapes, you won't hear it because of licensing. So. Yeah, oh, she's an easy lover. I don't know how that was a good wrestling. Theme. Yeah. <laughs> well, they just used the instrumental. That's why, because it was <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Uh, uh, we got to get serious though for a minute. We got to talk right. about what happened in Arizona over the weekend. And again, this is something that piggybacks off of uh, uh, the PBS documentary from about a month or so ago. Uh, from Frontline about concussions, because we hear about head trauma and the dangers of it. Well, uh, Hopi High School senior uh, down in Flagstaff, Arizona, Charles Yavella, uh, he died just uh, two days after sustaining a traumatic brain injury uh, during a, a Hopi High School football game against Arizona Lutheran, which they won 60-6. to Yavella scored Hopi uh, um, a touchdown in that playoff game. Um it's a head trauma injury, simply put. A head trauma injury cost him his life. Um, we're hearing about this more and more. And with everything we've heard about CTE, and going further with this, Terry Bradshaw a couple of days ago, awful announcing, reporting that he here he is, Terry Bradshaw, 65 years of age. You see him on Fox. You see him acting goofy and everything. Yes. He mentions he probably has CTE. Um Another player, I forget who it was. Tony Dorsett from the Cowboys. They're that's right, that's Tony Dorsett, legendary yeah. player, thinks he has CTE. Yeah, uh, there was another one that came out, too, uh, recently, too. I can't remember who it was. Um, uh, Duper. Yeah. Mark Duper. These are, so. I mean, these, these are becoming like seminal moments when it comes to the attention that's finally being pay, paid to head trauma injuries in the National Football League and all levels of football. Correct. Uh, according to a report by the Institute of Medicine and National Research Council, 250,000 people nationwide, 19 and under, were treated in emergency rooms for concussions and other sports recreation-related brain injuries. Uh, that was as of 2009. That was an increase by over 100,000 from the prior survey in 2001. Um, and Bob Costas, who, you know, he loves his soapbox like none other. Oh, yeah, sure. He, he put a point blank on a uh, podcast from Slate.com earlier this week saying if he had a kid and the kid wanted to play football, he'd say, no, not going to happen. Mm. Well, we just had Jeff Froman with us doing Monday. That said all yeah. the same thing. So. You want to play baseball? Fine. Soccer? Fine. Basketball? Fine. Football? No. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, 
And we talked about this pre-show, John. Something's eventually going to be done, and it's going to impact the game, but it's not going to happen immediately, is it? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, like I said, we, you know, like you said, we were talking pre-show about this, and uh, of course, you know, our condolences and and our prayers out to uh, you know Charles Uvella's family, and of course, you know, our prayers are with Charles Uvella. Uh, awful, awful tragedy. Uh, but you know, the more this kind of stuff happens, Jim, it's going to push parents in the direction of not letting their kids play any type of football from the peewee level to the high school level, going into college and so on into the pros. Um, you know, to me, it's eventually going to start to hurt the NFL. You know, first it's going to hurt the, you know, the high school ranks. First it's going to hurt the college ranks, and then it's going to eventually come down to the NFL where, you know what, there's going to be less and less kids coming out of high school and college for the NFL to draft. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be any time soon, probably within the next 20 to 30 years. It'll um, take a couple generations before we... Easily, because this is going to continue to happen. There's no way in a game like football you could do anything safety-wise where somebody's not going to get hurt unless you make it flag football or two-hand touch. That is the only way. If it's going to stay tackle football, Jim, there's always going to be injuries. There's always going to be head injuries. There's always going to be neck injuries. And you know what? We're just coming off of that terrible neck injury to uh, Packers tight end Michael Finley. To now they're saying that he's going under a career-threatening, possibly even life-threatening neck surgery very soon. Um, no matter what kind of safety, you know, uh, you know, safety concerns they take, there's always going to be an injury, Jim. And in my mind, you know, more and more kids, uh, excuse me, more and more parents are going to push their kids not to play football. There's going to be less kids coming out of the high school ranks into college. And then what's going to happen? The NFL is totally going to suffer. And honestly, in about 30 to 35 years, I don't even know if they'll even be in the NFL anymore. The only thing I have to say to that also is that will be expedited quickly if one thing happens. Um, and that would be, and I hate, to, I hate to even think that it could happen, and inevitably it may happen sooner than later, yes. if somebody dies in an NFL football game on the field. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going That's to be. the only way that would be expedited, what you're saying. But uh, we, we obviously don't hope for anything like that to happen. Again, our thoughts and prayers to uh, the family of uh, Charles Uvella, who uh, died of a traumatic brain injury at Hopi High School uh, over the weekend. Uh, just a sad story, but uh, football concussions... At all levels, it's something we got to keep an eye on, definitely. Absolutely. Um, we've got our guest ready, so I'll let you bring him in. All right. Joining us right now is a uh, very good friend to uh, us here at the program, uh, you know, the busiest man in sports, and that's broadcaster Kenny Albert. Kenny, how you doing, man? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing real good. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to join us. No problem at all. Um, so you're calling the Giants and Packers game this weekend, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so of course we're going to throw some uh, questions out to you about the Giants and Packers. First, I got to ask you about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers goes down. Seneca Wallace goes down. Uh, you know, now we got somewhat of a no name that we've never heard now starting for the Packers. Is this really going to hurt the Packers' chances at continuing their success and getting into the playoffs this season? Well, you, you certainly have to think they're a lot better off with with Aaron Rodgers than Scott Tolzien or or Seneca Wallace for that matter, but. <laughs> Um, you know, we're certainly learning a lot about Tolzien this week. You know, he was a guy that uh, spent some time with the San Francisco 49ers the last couple of years. And when we did a Green Bay-Detroit game earlier this season, uh, I remember talking to some of the Packers people, and they were very impressed with the work that Tolzien was doing on the practice squad. So, um, you know, he's impressed the coaches, like I said. Uh, I know they brought in Matt Flynn as well this week, who's certainly, uh, you know, made his way around the NFL over the last six months from – uh, Seattle to Oakland to Buffalo and now back to Green Bay. But, uh, yeah, no, obviously when you have an Aaron Rodgers, a perennial pro bowler and former Super Bowl MVP, um, you know, that would certainly increase the Packers' chances. Certainly would. Uh, let's take a look at the Giants' side of things for a second. Eli Manning has had arguably the worst year of his career and his offensive line not helping him and doing him any favors at this point in time. Yet the way the NFC East is, they come into this week within less than two games of the division lead. Is is it safe to say we cannot write off the Giants in the quote-unquote division race in the NFC East? No, I don't, I don't think you can write them off yet, especially with a win this week if, if they beat the Packers. Um, you know, it's crazy to think after an 0-6 start that the Giants are still alive, but when you look at what's happened with Dallas and, and Philadelphia, who can't win at home but have, have you know had some impressive wins on the road, 
And then Washington, in a similar predicament to last season when they started 3-6 and six and then won their last seven games uh, to make the playoffs. So, you know, right now the Giants have that same 3-6 and six record that the Redskins did last year. Um, you know, as far as Eli Manning goes, you know, it's been a rough year. Leads the league in interceptions. However, um, you know, you look at all the change around him. You know, so many different offensive line combinations, six different starting running backs, and we all know how important, you know, protections are with, with Eli and the Giants and, you know, they, they bring in a Peyton Hillis off the street, and he has to pick up the system pretty quickly, although he did play in a similar system uh, down in Tampa Bay. And they got Andre Brown, you know, back last week. But, uh, you know, without two key offensive linemen on IR, Chris Snee and David Boss. But it's been better the last three weeks. You know, the win over Minnesota on the Monday night, then the Philadelphia game, which, which our crew worked. And uh, Oakland, although, you know, there was an interception return for a touchdown by Tracy Porter, uh, the Giants have not turned the ball over as often as they did over that six-game losing streak. Yeah, they definitely seem to right the ship and have a chance, I believe, to go for four in a row uh, this week uh, to really get back um, in the running in the NFC East, a division that people are going to look at and say, well, I can't take any of these teams seriously. Eventually one of these teams is going to come out and get into the playoffs. Whoever it is, and we'll throw all four teams into the mix for right now, should they be taken seriously in their first-round matchup in the wild-card round? I mean, can they pull off the quote-unquote upset against a team like a San Francisco, like a Seattle, uh, like a Detroit? I mean, do they have what it takes to even advance to the divisional round, whoever comes out of the NFC East, in your estimation at this point? Well, never say never. I mean, we saw a 7-9 Seattle team win a playoff game a couple of years back, although they certainly have a huge home field advantage, and they beat New Orleans that day, you know, thanks to Marshawn Lynch. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a one-game situation, you never know. A lot depends on, on the current health status of a team and uh, which team is on a roll. You know, look at Green Bay as the number six seed going on to win the Super Bowl. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you would think right now they certainly wouldn't be the favorite, whichever team comes out of the East. But if they do in the division, it, it probably means that they were on a roll over the last three or four weeks. All bets are off when you get to that point. You're absolutely right. Uh, Talking with Kenny Albert of the NFL on Fox and the radio voice of the New York Rangers. We'll talk hockey with him in just a a little bit here. Here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio, I'm Jim Williams. Jonathan Ragg is joining me as well. Or I'm joining him, actually. I'm the co-host, yet I take over. It's it's weird. It's a fun dynamic. Oh, it's fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, my buddy Carl Chenier, who runs CLW83.com, he, he's based out of Louisiana. He had to throw in a Saints question for me to ask you, so here it is. And we talk about home field advantage being uh, paramount later in the season and the playoffs especially. And, of course, the games you've covered over the course of the last couple of seasons, the two places where road teams in the NFC seemingly have the toughest go of it are Seattle and New Orleans. So in your opinion, Kenny, you've been to both venues. Which of these two venues, the Superdome or uh, the home of the Seahawks, provides the tougher environment, in your opinion, for opposing teams? I think they're both tough. Uh, you know, Seattle hasn't lost the game you know, at home ever since Russell Wilson uh, came into the NFL. And, and you look at New Orleans and uh, their run to the Super Bowl a couple of years back, uh, it would be pretty tough to say which one is the harder place to play. But I, I think they're the top two, along with Kansas City, uh, as mm-hmm. far as home field advantage. Most definitely. I mean, it's 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 one A one B to me, and I can't pick either. Uh, it's you know, just a tough tough uh, road to go. And there is something to be said about the twelfth man, especially in this day and age. And I'm for going to say Seattle has a flag in honor of the twelfth man and, and what have you going on there. Uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Kansas City. The fact they're nine and zero, they're going in to play Denver, and was probably the marquee game of the week. Is there any way you can see, and I'm assuming you would probably, one would probably assume the Kansas City defense will have a few thing or two to say about this, that the Chiefs can knock off the Broncos this week, knowing that Peyton Manning, bum ankle and everything? I mean, do the Chiefs have a chance in this game? Oh, sure. I mean, with, with Peyton Manning's situation, you know, with the, with the ankle, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs certainly do have a chance. And uh, what, what a job Andy Reid's done. I, I think, I don't think he gets as much respect as he should for the job that he did in Philadelphia uh, because they did not win a Super Bowl, but they did get to five NFC championship games, appeared in one Super Bowl, and you know I think when you look at what he's done in Kansas City this year, certainly solidifying his place as one of the top head coaches of our generation. 
I'm just wishing he had better time management here in Philadelphia. He seems to have figured that out in Kansas City. I'm a little biased, of course, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> All right, okay, let's talk a little uh, NHL right now. Of course, we got the news today that the uh, Buffalo Sabres made a big announcement, uh, you know, naming former Ranger and, of course, former Sabres player and, and, and legendary player Pat LaFontaine, the new uh, president of uh, team operations, as well as bringing in uh, Ted Nolan in the interim basis, getting rid of Ron Rolston and GM Darcy Regeer. Uh, you know, what's going on in Buffalo? Because this has been a team for probably the last 15 years that has been a team that's, uh, you know, you know, us being Rangers fans and you being the voice of the Rangers, you know, it was always a fierce team to play against, and they really dropped off. With Pat LaFontaine coming on, do you think this is finally the right direction for Buffalo in, in, in order to rebuild? Well, they certainly did have a good run. You know, the, the Ranger-Saber playoff series uh, back in – 2008 was certainly a memorable one uh, yes. on, on both sides as the Sabres advanced to the conference final. Um, you know, new ownership with, with Terry Pagula taking over a couple of years ago, and it's, it's been a team in transition. Uh, you know, Ryan Miller, obviously one of the top goaltenders in the NHL, but they've had a lot of change otherwise. And, uh, you know, losing Chris Drury to free agency and, and trading Jason Palmerville last year, um, among others. Um, you know, as far as Darcy Regeer goes, he was there for a long time and, and had some very good yeah. years, but it's gone downhill, you know, over the last two or three seasons now. And uh, Ron Rolston took over late last year, and, and some might say he didn't get much of a chance. It's a real young team with uh, four teenagers on the roster at the beginning of this season. But Pat LaFontaine's a, a, a great guy, you know, highly respected around the NHL. Um, uh-huh. You know, played for the Sabres and the Islanders and the Rangers and was a U.S. Olympian and you know, I'm, I'm excited for Pat because he's a he's a terrific individual and, uh, you know, was part of the Islander family for a long time and brings in Ted Nolan, who had great success, you know, as head coach not only of the Sabres but the Islanders as well and, and finally gets another shot. So, uh, you know, unfortunate for, for Darcy Regeer and Ron Rolston, but, uh, you know, these things certainly do happen in professional sports and uh, best of luck to Pat LaFontaine and, and Ted Nolan in Buffalo. Yeah, do you think uh, Ted Nolan could be – the coach next year as well, or do you think this is just going to be an interim basis until they lock down somebody that they, you know, highly regard? Well, that, that's yet to be seen. You know, I, I did read that he has the interim tag, but I know he and, and LaFontaine are, are pretty close from their days together, so Definitely. certainly would not be surprised if he gets a shot at it. Yeah. Now let's take a look over at the Rangers. Of course, you know, everybody was uh, up in arms and really upset that, of course, Mark Messier, you know, didn't get the head coaching job and Elaine Vignot, you know, w- was put in place after Mark Mess- uh, excuse me, after John Tortorella was fired. Uh, you know, is, is there any players that you could see former Rangers over the last, let's say, 25 to 30 years that could take over a role like Pat LaFontaine's taking over in Buffalo right now? You mean as far as, uh, you know, a, you know, GM, you know, GM you know, team op- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I, of course, you know, Glenn Sather's not going to be around forever. So that's uh, one of the questions being floated around by, by the, you know, by the Rangers fan base now. Do you ever see Mark Messier returning now from Edmonton since he left now or – you know, do you see maybe an Adam Graves stepping up into that kind of a role? Well, Adam's certainly involved with the team. You know, does community relations and, and works with young players. Um, you know, I think, first of all, Glenn Sather's done a tremendous job with, with the Rangers over the last eight I agree. years. Uh, they've yeah. made the playoffs seven of the last eight, uh, have played five playoff rounds over the last two years. And, you know, you look at some of the moves he's made, stealing Ryan McDonough for Montreal in the yeah. Scott Gomez deal. And, um, you know, the, the team has really – been built from within with, with draft picks, uh, you know, since say they took over the team in 2000. Henrik Lundqvist was a Ranger draft pick. Mark Stahl, Ryan Callahan, Carl Haglin, uh, Chris Kreider, right on down the line. And, and then you bring in free agents like Matt Zuccarello and, and Dan Girardi, who was not drafted and becomes an all-star, and uh, you know, stealing McDonough from Montreal. So when you look at the core of this team that has been a contender now uh, in the Eastern Conference for the last four or five years. Uh, most of the players have, have come from within. And, and even taking a couple of draft picks in Brandon Dubinsky and Artem Anisimov assets and then trading them for Rick Nash, you know, a, a perennial 35-40 goal scorer. So, um, you know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, I wouldn't think. And, uh, you know, he's also, Glenn Sander has surrounded himself with some uh, terrific uh, front office types in Jeff Gorton, who was a general manager in Boston, and, and Gordy Definitely. Clark, who runs the draft, you know, who used to work for the Islanders and the Bruins. And uh, you mentioned Adam Graves and, and Jim Schoenfeld, uh, who's heavily involved with the organization. So, um, you know, the, the Rangers have uh, a number of key guys in, in upper management 
um, you know, who have run their own teams in, in Gordon and, uh, you know, Gordy Clark has, has worked, like I said, at the top level as far as scouting and the draft goes with the Islanders and Bruins and, and Jim Schoenfeld. So it's a, it's a top-notch management team. And then you have a coach in Elaine Vigneault who led Vancouver to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, just a couple of years back. So uh, things are looking up. They had a slow start, obviously, to this season, but have won seven of their last ten games and have a big weekend coming up against Montreal and Los Angeles. Absolutely, and of course now we get you know word today that uh, Rick Nash is practicing in, in a more of a non-contact role, though of course on the ice. Uh, you know, you know what kind of a boost is that going to be for this Rangers team, where they're going to finally have you know a full lineup with you know Rick Nash coming back, Callahan going to be healthy and playing, Hagelin finally back. You know, a lot, a lot of the fans aren't looking at it as oh, you know what, we're having a slow start. This team is terrible, but they have a new coach. They're being reprogrammed from a, a, a totally different style of hockey, and they had a lot of injuries. With a full roster and finally being able to play under, uh, you know, Elaine Vignot, how how do you see that faring out for the rest of the season? Well, obviously Nash coming back would be huge. He's missed the last 15 games now, and, and like you said, is practicing today. Um, you know, tough schedule at the start, but since coming back east, it's looked like a totally different team. Playing very well defensively. Uh, Lundquist has been terrific. Cam Talbot has, you know, certainly given them a boost at the backup spot, having allowed only two goals and each of his first four starts, and I think a big key to the turnaround has been the team speed, you know, ever since Carl Hagelin came back from his injury, and, and then you had Kreider to the mix up from Hartford, and, and Matt Zuccarello has been one of their best players for the last two or three weeks, so, uh, you know, the, the changeover in the roster, uh, just by adding those three guys, has had a lot to do with the turnaround. Absolutely. Certainly has. Uh, Kenny Albert here uh, on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio, and uh, one of the things John has always said before I ever joined this show, and you, he mentions it when he introduces you, I'm surprised he didn't do it today, that you're the hardest working man in sports. I mean, you, you cover everything. You've covered hockey, football, you've done basketball, and you've also done baseball for Fox, and many times when Joe Buck's on assignment doing a preseason football game or what have you, you're in there in the booth with the A-team calling with Tim McCarver. And, of course, Tim retired after this World Series, stopped doing the uh, uh, the baseball color analysis. I was just wondering, uh, now that he has uh, hung up the headset, do you have any interesting stories or anecdotes to share with uh, the times you've worked with Tim McCarver? Well, first of all, I don't think he's done. You know, he won't do the right. the playoffs and World Series for Fox, but, you know, Tim has certainly come out and said that uh, he'd like to be working somewhere next year, uh, whether it's a handful of games or uh, doing a team's local package, but um, had the great opportunity, like you said, to work a handful of games with Tim uh, throughout the years, you know, dating back to 1999, and, um, you know, grew up watching him in New York when he was doing the Mets, and I don't, I don't think I fully appreciated how good he is until I had the opportunity to sit next to him and work with him, and uh, the number of things that he would forecast, you know, you talk about first guessing instead of second guessing, it, it was amazing to me. Five or six times during the course of the game, he would say something before it happened. And I guess, you know, the biggest example of that uh, was when Tim and Joe Buck were, were calling the 2001 World Series. And uh, he predicted, you know, with the way the outfielders were set up and with uh, uh, Luis Gonzalez coming to the plate, he forecasted, you know, that, that Rivera would break, Gonzalez is bad, but it would be a blue hit in center field to win the World Series, and that's exactly what happened. So, uh, just a, a tremendous guy to work with. I was lucky enough to go up to the Hall of Fame ceremonies at Cooperstown when Tim was inducted with the Ford Frick Award in in 2012, and um, you know I'll certainly miss working with him those five or six games a year. But uh, hopefully, there will be some opportunities down the line to work with Tim again. Yeah, I have a I have a feeling he will be working in some capacity, either in a studio or on site for. Uh, Maybe for Fox, like you say, doing some uh, regional games or or uh, with another team. Uh, I mean, he's worked with the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies over his career. Uh, it was, hey, the Phillies are responsible for starting his broadcast career in that 1980 season. That's you right. Know, you, you never know. You never know. Uh, pleasure getting to talk with you for my first time. John has talked to you till the cows come home, I know. But uh, you, you truly are, Kenny. I mean this sincerely as a guy who, you know, always wanted to be a play-by-play guy. You're one of the best in the business. I mean that sincerely. And you do it, uh, and you're, you're great at all sports you do. You don't have a, an Achilles heel, as it were, when it comes to uh, play-by-play. And we thank you for the time you gave us this afternoon. Well, guys, I appreciate it. always enjoy coming on the show, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kenny. Okay. Thanks, guys.
That's uh, Kenny Albert, sports forecaster Kenny Albert, joining us. Uh, like I said, you know, busiest man in sports, Jim. Uh, Thank I, I, you. Guy's great. You know, he really <laughs> is great. You know, and it's, uh, you know, not many people can do all four sports and be so good at it. And, of course, you know, back in 2009, uh, he called play-by-play for the Vikings and Steelers uh, on Fox. And then he even hosted uh, the Yankees' uh, locker room celebration after clinching the uh, ALSC, uh, excuse me, ALCS that night. Following night, he does a Rangers game, and then the very next night, he does play-by-play for the next season opener at MSG. So. You, don't, you don't hear about four sports in a no. week often. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> No, he's no, no. Uh, he's as good as they come uh, in the business today, and uh, you know, he, okay, he got there because his last name's Albert. That's that uh, you know that helped him. But, oh, to keep, but to but to keep your foot in the business, yeah. and as well as you have, you have to have the goods, and he has the goods. But that's the thing. We've seen so many people come into any type of job, you know, whether you know it's it's sports or whether it's whatever, and you know they get in. You know, I don't want to say he he got in because of the you know. Uh, of his father, but he, you know, of course, be having the Albert last name really helped because his two uncles are also very, uh, you know, known sportscasters, and uh, you know, but he came in and he made his own, you know, he carved his own neck. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, uh, he in, did. Yeah, in many respects, he's uh, every bit as good as Marv and Al and Steve in many respects. So, you know, no. it's good stuff all the way around, and uh, you know, yeah. we're glad we had him on, and we'll have him on again. That's why I mean, he's he's by far my favorite sportscaster uh, today. You know, and and, and there's. There and you know what, man? I've I've always you know, and I've listened to so many phenomenal play-by-play guys. You know, Bob, well, you know, Bob Murphy is my all-time favorite, of course. You know, but I'm talking about in in, in today's sports. To me, it's always Kenny. I always look forward to you know. I, I'm not a Giants fan, and I watch Giants games because I love listening to Kenny call the game. So, oh sure, great sure. stuff as always. And he, it doesn't hurt that he has decent analysts to work with, and, and Daryl Johnson and uh, whatever Tony Saragusa does. Yeah, well, Saragusa is fun. What can I, no, I, I I agree. I agree. You know, he's fun. As you know, we had D.V. Sweeney on, and you know, he's a big Goose fan. So, oh yeah, we want. We, hey, maybe we ought to get Goose on sometime. I've I've reached out to Goose. I'm waiting to hear back from Goose. So, we'll see. It would be nice to have the Goose on with us. But let's talk MLB. Yes, we're going to talk MLB in November, Jim. Why? Because it's award season, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, well, the Rookie of the Year awards uh, were given out on Monday. Now, on my baseball podcast, which is now available at CLW83.com, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Cheap plug. Hey, I'm all about the cheap plugs. <laughs> I, I dropped one during the Albert interview, and now I dropped another one there. I'll pick it up and put it in my back pocket. That's fine. The American League Rookie of the Year, let's start there. Will Myers won it running away, having himself a nice season. I mean, you know, East, he was in AAA, season started slow. Got the call up in mid-June, and boom, went the dynamite for him. He got 23 of a possible 30 first-place votes, 131 points total. Jose Iglesias, who split time between the Red Sox and the Tigers, was second, uh, followed by Chris Archer, Dan Straley, and so on and so forth. What did you say, Julio Iglesias? Jose Iglesias. Okay, it's Enrique. How about that? Does that make you feel better? Okay, there you go. There you go. So congratulations to Will Myers of the Rays. I mean, the and. The Tampa Bay race, they just keep churning out great young talent. That's the secret to their success, their farm system. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Now, the National League, we're going to have a little uh, a little problem here, because you and I disagree on this. Uh, Jose Fernandez got the nod for the National League Rookie of the Year, getting 26 of a possible 30 first-place votes, 142 points total. My man, Yasiel Puig, four first-place votes, 95 points total. Is it simply because... Fernandez, who started opening day for the Marlins, uh, played the full season as opposed to Puig, who played two-thirds of a season. Is that what it comes down to? I don't know. I, I think so. Honestly, you know, you know Puig was, was, was good. He, he was very, very good. But I thought Jose Fernandez was a lot better in the time he spent. You know, of course, uh, you know, a lot of people compared – his rookie seasons, too, of course, you know, and, 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 you know, I got to witness a lot of it, and, you know, with the Mets, it was, you know, it was not good, uh, right. you know, and also, of course, the great Fernando Valenzuela, and, of course, their rookie season ended with them also winning the Rookie of the Year awards. Uh, you know, Fernandez received 26 of 30 first-place votes. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's any bias towards, uh, you know, you know, the, you know, the young Dodgers outfielder, but Jose Fernandez, I thought, was just better, and a lot of other people thought that as well, so, you know, I to me, you got to give it to him. You okay, know, fair you really enough. Do. Well, I mean, 
I, I look at it this way. You take Fernandez off the Marlins team, they are the worst team in the history of Major League Baseball. Oh, absolutely. You know, even with Fernandez on a the team, they're the worst team in Major League Baseball. Well, so. they, well no, I'm saying they're 1962 worst. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. That's what I'm trying to say. They're, yeah, they're, but, you know what, they're still one of the worst teams in baseball, no matter, you know what, but... Jose Fernandez, it, it was an individual accolade. He deserved it. He had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Let's see what he can do in his sophomore year and uh, see if he avoids know. the slump. And I, I just uh, going over it, you know, enough times the Yasiel Puig factor. He was the reason why the Dodgers even did anything. Yeah. Uh, this season. Before we get to managers of the year, you got some breaking news. Go to it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, some sad and somber news. Uh, former Oakland Raiders tight end. And uh, current CBS uh, sportscaster Todd Christensen uh, passed away today at the age of 57. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. Of course, growing up as a kid, I first knew Christensen from American Gladiators working with the Adam Lee. And, uh, yes. Uh, that's sad. That's sad. And he'd been doing some games for uh, uh, the former Mountain West Network, whatever they call it now. Correct. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, uh, you, know, of un- you know, at the moment, they're not saying how he passed away, so I'm not sure if he was... Um, you know, ill or anything, but uh, you know, real shame. Good football player. Good football player. Good analyst. Sportscaster. Good guy. So uh, you know, our thoughts and uh, prayers and condolences go out to the uh, Christensen family. Absolutely sad news indeed. No easy way to transition. So here's the rough and abrupt transition to the manager of the year right. uh, awards that were announced yesterday on Tuesday uh, in the National League. No surprise to anybody. Clint Hurdle got the job done, taking 25 of 30 first place votes. 140 points, uh, over twice as many as his nearest competitor, Don Mattingly. The person I made a case for on the podcast, Freddie Gonzalez, a distant third with 43. And I, and I, I don't take anything away from Clint Hurdle because it's been a couple-year process he what he's it. done. He deserves it. He absolutely but, deserved it. Mm-hmm. Hands thing, down. Hands down. But the one thing I'm going to play in defense of Freddie Gonzalez, yes, I'm going to defend Atlanta for once. It was pretty sad for our Philly who's got to do this. He got that team, that Braves team, to 96 wins under the radar. No, yeah, yeah. He, uh, that's all I'm saying. But he you know what? When you take radar. a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, who hasn't tasted a winning season in almost two generations, come on, man. You okay, know? yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm so, not. I'm just playing double. So Clint Hurdle came in. His first year was last year. Right. He did a great job with them. He could uh, have manager of the year last year. Yeah, and then he comes in again this season, and he does an even better job. And this was the guy who wanted to be the coach of the New York Mets over Terry Collins, and it hurts to see him win NL Manager of the Year. But he's, he deserves a really good guy, or a really good baseball guy. He's a um, good guy doing good things in the community. He's my so, man, White Cat, Clint Hurdle. Your main man. A main man. So. But uh, in the American League, a lot closer with the top two. But ultimately, Tito, Terry Francona with the Indians, first year turnaround and then some. He got 16 of the possible 30 first place votes, 112 points total. Not far behind is the guy I would have picked, John Farrell in Boston. I'm sorry, worst of first in your first year there yeah. and, and what have you. Hey, you know, I actually thought Bob Melvin should have got some more votes. And Melvin was a distant third, and I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. He only got two first place I mean, that votes. That guy did a lot with really not much. So. Bubblegum and duct, duct tape. That's what he does it with. Yeah. You and, and you know what? And I'm going to throw the Yankees fans a bone. Girardi is definitely in the conversation, too, because he did everything with bubblegum and duct tape this year, too. Yes, I he give had... Girardi a lot of credit. I think, yeah. you know, and, and, and I still go down to say the, at the time, Florida Marlins did a very, very poor job when they fired Joe Girardi, who led them to a phenomenal season. Um, good manager, but I think he's a better NL manager. And I think once his tenure is finally up with the Yankees, Joe Girardi has to go to the Chicago Cubs and give the Cubs something there because they just well, need it. be a couple of years because uh, the Cubs have sealed their fate with their manager. Uh, who exactly? I believe it's uh, Rick uh, Renneria. Yes. Their manager. yes. But also, you know, he signed his uh, new contract with the Yankees as well, uh, Girardi. So. Because I, I no disrespect, I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they do because I because you know, and maybe sacrilegious a Phillies fan to say this. I want the Cubs to win one, okay? I want them to win one before I meet my demise and become the dead parrot from the Monty Python sketch. Don't you listen? Don't get me wrong. I would love nothing more to see my Mets win at least one more before my time is up in this world. Um, hopefully, it's when I have kids and they get to witness it as well. Because um, of course, you know, making them Mets fans, they they got no choice. So they're gonna have to join mediocrity with me. 
but honestly, it, honestly, just like watching the Red, you know, the uh, Red Sox win a few years back, it would really be an amazing historic thing to watch the Chicago Cubs win, and especially if it's at Wrigley. Oh man, it'd be incredible. I mean, you thought the Chicago Fire a hundred plus years ago was bad? Oh my goodness. Oh my God, forget about it, man. If uh, it, you know, man, would I love to be a Chicago Cubs fan if they win? You know, unbelievable. If only Harry Carey were alive to call it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do the impression. We've seen so many. Oh, wow. So um, I'm reading now, and I'm not sure if this is uh, the truth or not, but uh, Todd Christian supposedly passed away during a surgery. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, terrible. Terrible news. It really is terrible. We may have more on that on the Friday episode of uh, 24-7 when more news comes out uh, about his passing. But uh, sad news Absolutely. indeed. Absolutely, I'm sure we we'll definitely will have more on that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh man, let's. Uh, so that's it for a little baseball. Let's get into a little basketball here. We're going to talk Los Angeles Lakers. Um, okay. A very, very good basketball player, a phenomenal human being. I, I, I love the guy. I think he's great. Steve Nash. Supposedly, he might be forced into medical retirement because of his back issue. Uh, Lakers back specialist uh, Dr. Robert Watkins. If he determines that any additional effort by Nash to play would constitute any type of a medically unacceptable risk. Um, honestly, you might see Nash hang it up. And, uh, you know, and listen, in my opinion, it's tough when you've got a great basketball player like Steve Nash, um, any type of player who, who, who is like a Steve Nash, and they have to hang him up due to something medical. I, I mean, I love when I get to watch guys like this go out on their own gym. And, uh, you know, it, it honestly would be sad to see Steve Nash have to retire like this. It would be very sad. It very much would be. I mean, he's one of the great ambassadors of the game today, and he he does a phenomenal job, uh, you know, promoting the game's interest in addition to playing the Correct. game. Correct. Uh, it would be sad to see that happen. I mean, I enjoy the way he's played for the ten, fifteen years he's played. You know, of course, with Dallas, you know, and what have you, most notably, over the years. Um, I you know. We see this happen far too often, sadly. Um, hope for the best. Hope, hoping for the best for uh, for the great Steve Nash. Absolutely, definite uh, Hall of Famer. Don't even ask the question. No question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, continue with the Lakers. We got news just now uh, coming out that the Lakers' streak of consecutive home sells out ended this season at 320 games. That officially just puts the nail in the coffin, ladies and gentlemen. The Clippers are the number one team in Southern California. <laughs> it, it, uh, tell me I'm yeah. wrong. No, they are. No, no, there is no question about it. Listen, with no Kobe, this team is nothing. And, and who's to say there'll be something big with Kobe back? I mean, Kobe isn't what he once was, and here's a guy who wants to retire in the next year or two, too. So Yeah. Unbelievable. Talk about dynasties, though. Kind of a tangential story. Did you hear the one about the flu game shoes? No. Remember remember the infamous Michael Jordan Game 5 NBA Finals 1997? He was battling oh, yeah. symptoms. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a Utah Jazz boy actually got the sneakers. He had the sneakers from that game, and he is selling them at auction as we speak. This is this is absolutely true. Multiple auction houses have verified the authenticity. Truman had been storing them at a bank for something like 17 years, wow. according to the Chicago, or rather the Salt Lake Tribune. Bidding began Monday at five thousand dollars for these blue-ridden shoes. How much would you pay for this slice of NBA history, John? Well, let me ask you this: If I get the shoes, do I get the same flu that Michael Jordan had? Um. I don't think so. Okay, then I honestly wouldn't make a bid. You would? No, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Honestly, no. I, listen, I'm not into, you know what, man? We used to talk about this back on the show a long time ago. You know, Kurt Chilling's bloody sock. I, I, I honestly don't need Michael Jordan's shoe. I'd be happy with a basketball signed by MJ. Um, that's just me. So. No, no, no. We, we know what you'd be satisfied with from MJ. I want an, an Ahmad Rashad signed NBA Inside Stuff microphone. And I want to say to my main man, Jonathan, from your main man, Ahmad. You, you want the you, – oh, my goodness. Stop the pain, please. I'm telling you, man. Get me something for Christmas. Reach out to Ahmad Rashad. Because, listen, that, listen, that autographed photo I have of Ahmad from his uh, you know, playing days with the Vikings. It's on my desk. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, the things you find on Facebook, yes. Oh, it's horrible. Well, don't you have that uh, Todd McCullough signed? Uh... Hey, I have the Todd McCullough. Oh, man, the greatest Canadian sixer of all time. The only sixer I could ever see in my life who, who's tall enough to dunk the basketball. It pops right out the cylinder, goes about 20 feet in the air, and then comes right back down the cylinder. That's I've, Todd McCullough. Listen, I've I've seen that before, man. I have actually seen it where a guy, and I, and I can't remember who it is. Off the top of my head, I, I, you know what? It was a Denver Nugget. I'm going to say Mutombo. it was, No, it wasn't. It wasn't Mutombo. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and I, I'm I'm just it might break. Be careful. I'm thinking it's Alex English. I could be wrong, hmm. but I'm thinking it's Alex English. I remember him running up the base, excuse me, running up the court, dunking the ball, the ball going all the way into the net. Seriously, it's sticking halfway out of the bottom of the net and just the force of his dunk the net flips upside down, goes, you know, back up through the cylinder, ball pops out. It wasn't two points. Hmm. Even though it was halfway through the bottom, it, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen, man. And that was back in, like, my God, Alex English, when did you play last with the Nuggets? 89? Maybe 1990? I mean, yeah. wow. Uh, long time ago. So, uh, absolutely. That was, that was uh, I know you're not a, a, an auto racing fan, and by nature, neither am I. But, uh, there was interesting news that came out over the uh, uh, last day or two in Did regards adding to NASCAR. right turn now? What was that? That they're adding a right turn? <laughs> they do that every once in a while. I, you know, I've been, to, I've been to two NASCAR races in my life, awful. one at Pocono and one at Nazareth Speedway. It's a different kind of culture. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it is awful. Uh, you, you, well, it's an acquired taste. So that's the best way I can put it. But uh, what I think is interesting is uh, this is kind of your quote-unquote feel-good story about NASCAR because it was diagnosed uh, yesterday that, uh, well, it was announced yesterday that Trevor Bain, who races on the the AAA, if you will, as I call it. Part of him. He's been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He is going to continue to race. Now, according to uh, what Bain said uh, when he announced the news uh, yesterday, uh, he said he has experienced no symptoms since being sidelined for two months after numbness in his arm that was sustained after, uh, or rather during a race at Texas Motor Speedway. It prompted Bain's first trip to the Mayo Clinic. He got checkups. It led to doctors deciding he had MS. Uh, he had the following symptoms, blurred vision, nausea, fatigue. They also thought he might have had Lyme disease on his elbow, not the case, apparently. He learned he had MS over the summer, uh, just a few weeks after winning at Iowa Speedway. Um, he's still going to keep on racing, and he's going to do it as long as uh, he's medically cleared. And uh, you know what? This is this can be a feel-good story. It can give people who have MS, and I know people who who suffer with it uh, longstanding, uh, a little bit of hope because it just degenerates you slowly but surely as the years go on. So you know, God bless him. Hopefully he hopefully he can do some good things in the Nationwide Series, maybe even in the Sprint Cup, uh, and and raise awareness also at the same time, which would be a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a shame, though. That is a shame. Yeah, I, I saw that story, and I figured we ought to we ought to quickly mention that at least. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I know somebody else uh, not that long ago was diagnosed with it too, and uh, well, I want to say not long ago, but definitely a few years ago, and they were actually looking pretty good. I think it was Montel Williams, the talk show host. No, he was diagnosed years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I just saw him not that long ago, and he looks great. So. Well, and you know where he was a former, I believe, Marine. Yeah. He uh, he keeps himself in great shape. Well, not even that. You know what, man? Things are so different. I mean, honestly, man, look at, you know, Magic Johnson with the HIV. Uh, you know, you know, he's HIV positive, And Magic Johnson's had it for, what, 20 years, if not a little bit longer than that? 22 years. 1991 is when he came out. He phenomenal, man. He looks like he's not even sick, you know? Well, and, I mean, but, but what you don't know underneath is all he's doing to stay alive. Oh, of take, course, man. The med- yeah, but you know what, man? I, you know, at the same time, the medical science is so different. It is. It's like, from even 20 years ago. In the 80s. So, um you know, it's 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 it honestly is. You know, it's it's a shame when you see uh, all these illnesses and these diseases come out, and so many people were just tortured by them. You know, not even thirty years ago, and the stuff that they could do today with it. Um, you know, it, it's 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 crazy. You know, it's you know, I'm glad that they could do it today, but I feel bad for the people that just missed it. You know what I mean? It's terrible. Yeah, uh, very true. Very true. Let me bring this up to you as well. Uh, I'm all about interesting promotions in sports. Uh, maybe you are too. I don't know. But uh, this this may take the cake because this, we're not talking 
men's college basketball. We're talking women's college basketball. Okay. So this is the preseason WNIT right now. And uh, the first round is on Louisville coach Jeff Walls. I'm reading this from ESPN.com. He said he will buy the first 2,500 beers for of-age fans to attend Louisville's game against number 14-ranked LSU tomorrow night. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, gals playing basketball and beer. Sign me up. And this is a test that's going to yeah, get to watch basketball, man, and get a free drink. Why not? Well, okay, so uh, the Cardinals basketball facility, of course, is the Yum Center, the KFC Yum Center. It's off campus. Beer is normally sold there for games. Now, the school said there are no NCAA compliance issues, but come on, this also sets itself up, don't you think, for a little uh, problematic situation? Oh, of course it does. If something happens, you know, it's, you know they're going to be attacked. So. Well, not just that, but, you know, you, you know you're going to get This is college, okay? Yeah. When, when you're spending most of your time trying to prove you're legal and not hitting the book. So you know you're invariably going to end up going to a couple of, you know, getting a couple of fake IDs in there. Oh, yeah, of course. You know. Just, of course. But, you know. Yeah, but, you know, just funny promotions. I thought that was interesting. I, good luck. See, you won't be seeing that at Temple, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you won't be seeing that at a lot of colleges. So. You won't be seeing that. Well, I guess you can get away with it because it's Louisville and it's in Kentucky, and there's not much to cheer about. Yeah, Kentucky. you know what? Hopefully, uh, you know the kids down there. You know they drink responsibly and nothing happens. So stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty, my friends. Yes, we, that's man. another guy we got to have. The most interesting man in the world. All right, man. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. You got it. I don't know his name, but he's still the most. And he gets all the. He gets all the cheapest. Is he's the Tosekis man, come on. He, he's the, uh, the black cat, the white mamba, all in one. You know what, does he even have a name? He does have a name. I, don't, I, I remember them coming up, because the people at Dosekis were very secretive about his actual identity. Oh, his name is Jonathan Goldsmith. There it is. And the actor is Fernando Lamas. I don't think any relation no. to Renzo Lamas. I don't think so. No. no. Although he's probably a better actor, but... <laughs> well, Lorenzo Lama's on next week, and there we go. But seriously, though, we have a November to remember, and finally you're catching on to it, my friend. And it continues Friday. Tell us about the guest we have on Friday. Joining us Friday is former New York Mets, New York Yankees, but you might know him better as an Oakland Athletic. That's right, former MLB outfielder Terrence Long is going to be joining us to talk a little bit about his career, a little current MLB, and also we're going to ask him what can his former teams do to better themselves this offseason to get ready for next season. A little hot stove talk. I love it. A little hot stove. So Terrence Long will be joining us at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, where we will also make the rest of our Week 11 picks. So. And we'll see if you can finally come up to par with me or if I just blow your doors off. Probably. I'm waiting for it. So I'm waiting for, I a, week. I I'm waiting for, a, I'm waiting for a week where I go like, you know, Eight and four, and you go like four and eight. I'm waiting for that. I, I honestly thought it was going to be this past weekend, but it, it was it was crazy in, in football. So it is a crazy week ahead, and we're getting close to the end of the bye weeks and everything like that too. So uh, fun times abound here on 24/7 Sports Hub Radio. And while we have an extra minute here per se, spread the word about us, won't you please? We're on Facebook. Just search for 24/7 Sports Hub. Uh, you know, go to Twitter. Let everybody know about what you're listening to. We appreciate that. It's uh, at 247-SPRT-HUB underscore radio. What he said. Yes. At least I think it is. I could be entirely... Well, if you botch the... If you botch the um, we'll, get, we'll get Matthew on you if you got that wrong. <laughs> Matthew? Actually, I did botch it. That's the, that's the sad part. <laughs> I don't even and know. for the man, he's corpsing. Uh, I don't even know. Okay, here it goes. It's at... 247-SPRT-HUB radio. I'm sorry. The underscore was for the regular website, which you can also check out as well at uh, www.247sportshub.com. We've got some phenomenal, phenomenal content going up in all four major sports from Glenn Miller, Jake Carapella, Tanya Mercado, Yasi Goldstein, Ron Zimmerman, uh, myself included. Uh, some f- fantastic stuff going up right now. Um, it, you know, So get over there. Check that out. Really, really good stuff. And also for Facebook, it's real simple. It's just facebook.com forward slash sports hub 247. So get over there. Who could ask for anything more? And give us a like. Like us, darn it. 
likey-like. So that's it for our show today. We want to send out another thank you to sports broadcaster, very good friend to us here at the show, Kenny Albert, for joining us to talk football, hockey, and, of course, broadcasting as Jim, you threw out the Tim McCarver question to him, so that was really good. Good, good stuff. Uh, Also, uh, don't forget, join us on Friday as we are joined by former Major League Baseball player and outfielder Terrence Long. It's going to be a really good show, 12 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. So for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Raggis. We'll see you all Friday. I got nothing to say. <laughs>